Welcome to Love Always Self, a podcast about connection to self, reflections of self, and how this impacts our reality. We're all about trying to find balance, discovering tools for spiritual wellness, and creating a safe place to have loving conversations about a broad range of topics. I'm Carissa, an energy healer with a background in Reiki, nursing, health coaching, and personal training. I have a holistic mindset and believe that everyone and everything can work together in harmony so that we can create more balanced life experiences. And I'm Shira, a spiritual intuitive and explorer of personal truth with a background in management and finance. I feel we are all connected and guided by our own spiritual team, whom I refer to as Mount Glass, and I want to help teach you how to connect with yours. We believe we're all connected and by learning to love self, we will elevate the collective consciousness and learn to create deeper connections with each other, self, and source. As we grow and learn through our own life adventures and self-discoveries, we hope you gain insights into your own truth. Don't forget to subscribe to stay notified of new content, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey, hey, welcome to Love Always Self. I'm Shira. Hi, y'all. I'm Karista, and thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Love Always Self. We are super excited today because we have an amazing guest on. We have Barbara Natalini Priestnitz, and she is a licensed professional counselor who is dedicated to helping people find truth and meaning in their lives, as well as relief from pain and anxiety. She has been practicing in Austin since 2013 with specific training in regression therapy from Dr. Brian Wise, who is the author of Many Lives, Many Masters. Before becoming a therapist, Barbara owned and operated a restaurant in the late 90s and had a career in information technology, and she has been raising her family and been based out of Austin, Texas. Thank you so much for joining us, Barbara. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thank oh my you. goodness. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, after both of us being able to have a past life regression with you, like we, our minds were blown and yeah. we have been just seeing different synchronicities pop up throughout our lives that, that we see connections now, uh, in those past lives that we experienced during the regression. So we just really wanted to bring you on because this past life regression therapy is an incredible tool. And we just wanted to bring it to light to more people. So Barbara, Mm -hmm. you have been, uh, practicing is again, since 2013, can you share with us, uh, and our audience about what a past life regression is? Mm. Yeah. (laughs) So past life regression is similar to age regression, which is a fairly mainstream therapeutic technique, which is to go into a hypnotic state. And I can explain that in a minute. And, um, have access to sort of subconscious memories, usually memories from um, early in childhood, even infancy, people have remembered in utero um, experiences. You know, our brains don't store those types of memories for a lot of different reasons, the same way that we store our memories as adults or even um, older children. So regression is really a hypnotic process to access older memories that are typically hard to remember. Um, Hypnosis itself is not that out there at all. It's just a change in your brainwave frequency. You know, it takes us out. There's only four human primary brainwave frequencies. There's beta, alpha, theta, delta. We're in beta whenever you're awake, working, thinking, talking. 
Um, when you take a just a quick breather, relax, look out the window, stop thinking words, you drop into alpha. You do this all day long. And then sometimes you drop into theta while you're awake, um, daydreaming, lost in thought, driving home, and suddenly you're at home and you don't remember getting off the highway, that's theta. Um, but also theta is in deep sleep, not the deepest sleep, but some of our dreaming, when you're just falling asleep, when you're just waking up, it's way more complicated than I'm putting it, but basically the hypnotic um, phenomena that come with a deep state of relaxation um, include dissociation, time distortion. There's a lot of other, um, frankly, very therapeutic elements just to going into a trance, right? Mm -hmm. You change your thought process. It's kind of trippy. Um, and so that's how we can get into this. If you believe you have a soul, which I do, and your soul has access to all of its memories, all of its awareness, or maybe not all, but our, as much as our brains can process, okay, in these mm -hmm, bodies, mm -hmm. then the idea is that we can go into this hypnotic trance and deepest, the deepest possible trance and access those memories, okay? Um, if you don't believe you have a soul, I still think it can be really therapeutic and I've seen it be really therapeutic because those um, people who aren't sure or who really don't want to go there spiritually yet, whatever comes up in their regression, if they are considering that a projection of their subconscious, of their, you know, deepest unconscious desires, fears, whatever, it's still useful therapeutically to them. But frankly, most of the people that come do believe they have a soul or they're looking for validation, confirmation, and experience to help them be more confident and comfortable about that. Wow. That's, wow, it's well said. And, you know, um, when somebody is feeling inclined to do a past life regression, I mean, can you tell us maybe like how a PLR can be useful for them to do this? Okay, I think there's so many different reasons to do regression. The majority of people come in saying, I really wanna get a better sense of my purpose. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they're hoping that having this experience will give them a sense of their purpose. And I think it does, just not in the direct way that people think. I, yeah, um, definitely agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, some people come in and say, I just am curious. I'm curious, I have a sense that I've lived other lives. There's people, there are places that I can't explain. There's things that I know that I shouldn't be able to know. Um, and they really are looking for validation that they're not nuts. And they definitely get that. Yeah. Um, most people are worried that it won't work for them, okay? Yeah. Um, and I try to stay really humble and not boastful about this, but I have a very high success rate. And I attribute that mostly to doing a consult. It's not like some magic I have. <laughs> I think that um, to have a good regression experience, you have to be able to get into a deep enough trance. And to get into a deep enough trance, you have to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And there's almost no way you're going to walk into a stranger's office and lay down and close your eyes and bare your neck because we did not evolve to do that. 
So (laughs) once I started doing the consults, well, I had consults optional for the first few years. And it took me way too long to figure out that the people who did the consults had a much easier time. Mm -hmm. The people who didn't, or even today, the people who struggle, they can still get there. It just takes a little longer. It's a little more trudgy. It's like kind of walking uphill more Mm -hmm. than just walking or, um, so I think just a 30 minute zoom consult, your subconscious brain has deciding if I'm safe or not. It's that simple. I think. And then also I can tell you what to expect and, you know, the brain doesn't really like regression, uh, or at least past life regression. So preparing people for that pushback can really help because it doesn't matter you, me, the gurus, if you have a functioning human brain, it's going to say, wait a minute, I don't remember that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you get a memory from when you're three, your brain might say, okay, yeah, that, that syncs with what I know. But if you get a memory that doesn't sync with this current lifetime, this body, this family, the brain will just be screaming. And so there are ways to manage that. Yeah. It's so interesting how our brain filters so much out. Like we have no idea all the things that we're missing in our day-to-day frequently. And then to, to also cause certain memories to kind of go into hiding. And and that's what we're doing is we're peeling back the, and it's intentional, right? There's Mm -hmm. a reason we don't remember everything. It would be Mm -hmm. way overload right? There's a reason we have amnesia when we come into these lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Um, We're here to learn and grow, I think is the most simple thing. If you want to know your purpose at the highest level, it's to learn and grow. (laughs) And sometimes to help others and sometimes to work through stuff. But ultimately, we are all here to learn and grow. And um, if we remembered everything and sort of came down here, you know, with divine consciousness and power and awareness maximally maximally, (laughs) um you know it's like if you already know algebra you can't go through the effort of learning algebra so it's like we'd have all the cheat codes to the game yeah (laughs) play you know you got to forget the rules and learn them again um it makes it harder right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so back to your question most people are worried about does it work most people yeah. want another purpose. They want some validation. Mm-hmm. It's really therapeutic, I think, for anyone. I'm a regular therapist. I do mostly talk therapy and clinical hypnosis, normal. And it's great. I love my therapy practice. Um, regression is the most profound therapeutic technique I use. Mm-hmm. And the people who do regression, a lot of them, come and do some therapy afterwards too, either to process what came up in their regression or just to do regular therapy in a context where you can talk about your purpose with this sort of spiritual context that's Mm -hmm. not only focused on spiritual growth because life is hard and we have to deal with shit all day long and it's good Mm -hmm. to have tools. Um, But when you have that bigger context with your therapist, I think it can help. And there are a lot of other therapists who have, who share that context. So I'm curious, I I really want to dive more into uh, hypnosis, but first 
I, I want to know what, what led you to the career shift? Because originally, you know, you, you had said that you ran a restaurant and you were in IT. So mm-hmm. what, what was the catalyst to the career shift? Um, well, when I was about 30, 32, I don't know, I'm 54 now. My youngest brother, I'm the oldest of five. My youngest brother, who's 10 years younger than me, read Many Lives, Many Masters. Mm. And he came to me and said, hey, I read this book. You should really read it. And he had gone and done a regression with a psychologist who was doing regressions in Austin at that time. She's, she was in her 70s then and has since passed. Um, and I read the book and I found it really fascinating and interesting but I was in a stage of my growth where I had rejected the religion of my childhood and not found or even really looked very hard to replace that with anything. Mm-hmm. And so I was into my intellect and the intellectual world. And the way I interpreted that was that not just religious concepts were well, I don't want to get into knocking religion. I think there's a lot of wonderful things about a lot of wonderful religions, but um, I was really in a state of avoiding that. In fact, I was very triggered by certain religious terminology. And um, so I was skeptical. And when I had the experience I had, I, I, so I read the book, I went and did a regression and I had this like life-changing experience in my first mm. regression. And um, I want to say it took me five or six years to make sense of that. And when I say make sense of that, it was very clear. I mean, the lifetimes I remembered were very clear. I know what happened. I know where I was. I know how I felt. Um, I could talk about that more later. So it wasn't like I needed to make sense of what it was. It's just that if that was real, that meant that I really did have a soul. And if I really Mm -hmm. did have a soul, it meant we all have souls. And if we all have souls, we're here on purpose. And if we're all here on purpose, I mean, there was these ripple effects that I wasn't prepared for. And that's what took me the longest. And I was young. Um, I mean, youth is different for everybody. I was young at 32, right? I was still in so many ways naive about a lot of things. Um, so it took me a long time. And then I really wanted to do more regression work. And I did workshops with Dr. Weiss. This is back, you know, more than 20 years ago. Um, and then I got divorced, like for the second time, this is also about 20 years ago, not quite, almost. And I went into therapy, like regular, and I did, I had a trauma history in my childhood and it was all only coming out in my relationships. And so that's when I really got into therapy. It was around 34 or so. And, um, I did two years of pretty intense talk therapy and I, my therapist was in her seventies and she was a religious person. And in fact, she, her husband was a Baptist uh, minister mm. and she had this Bible. And I remember thinking, what are the chances that sort of the universe would take me to this woman to help me? Because I ended up also processing a lot of my 
baggage with um, the Catholic Church, etc. Um, anyway, oh, the career. So I really, so she, this is all practical guys. She was in her seventies and you know, you had to leave your money on the counter. When you left, somebody else came in and I was divorced for the second time with a child. And you know, my daughter's father was like a poet. Basically I had no child support. Um, and so I thought I'm going to have to work forever. <laughs> and yeah. I loved the therapy it really helped me so much. And I thought, I want to do this so that I can, I can work well. And in fact, it's one of the few careers you're, you get better and better at as you get older. Cause I was in it at 40 by 40, you know, the young developers were like, my mom had that sweater. Yeah. <laughs> and they just yeah. saw me as so old. <laughs> so I knew I would age out of that. And I didn't want to go into sales or management. So that's how I, that's why I decided to do it. Then I really wanted to do regression, but I was very uncomfortable still with how woo it was. Mm -hmm. um, very embarrassed, really, about it. Like, part of me was all about it. And part of me was like, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Yeah. And I still have a little of that, I got to tell you. I mean, That's now it's more like 98% and 2%. And back then, it was probably like 75, 25. But um, yeah. So I went back to school and I didn't want to do regression. I wanted to be as legitimate as I could be. So I mm. did all this post-grad training in clinical hypnosis. And then, so I took it very um, deliberately in these steps. And then finally I did the training with Dr. Weiss and I love it. Yeah. I have questions oh. there um, for sure. <laughs> Uh, many of us, including our audience and Carrie and myself, uh, we, we've read many lives, many masters. I would probably say that when I first discovered past life regressions, um, referred to as PLRs for those listening, um, it was his work that, uh, really made me more fascinated in the topic as I was undergoing my own, you know, what is my life's purpose? Is there more to me than what we've been mm -hmm. told questioning? Right. Um, and while looking at his work, I was like, I wonder if anyone locally does that. And what was interesting is finding you and that you had studied with him. And I was like, how is that possible that someone locally, <laughs> you know, that form of synchronicity that we just kind of like get handed. Um, and so I, I, I'm super curious, like, how did you end up studying directly with someone that we're, we're all so fascinated by? Yeah. He's still teaching. I think maybe once a year, I don't know with the pandemic. Um, but he does therapist trainings. He was doing them at least twice a year at the Omega, um, center in New York and upstate New York. And, there was a two year waiting list and mm -hmm. I was on the waiting list. It took me two years to get um, a spot because it was a week long therapy training and he took 150 people, which, you know, may sound like a lot of people, but it's, it's not that big mm -hmm. of a group to yeah. spend a week together and work with him and his wife, who's also a therapist and a regression therapist. Um, and he regressed me, you know, it's one of those things that, where they're yeah. like, he did two or three 
um, demonstration sessions a day, and then we would go practice in small groups and he would lecture. And so each time he did a demonstration, he'd say, okay, who wants to come up here? And everybody would raise their hand. And, you know, I raised my hand and he said, okay, you in the glasses. And I was like, me? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was a really, you know, that was a whole other interesting, beautiful experience. Wow. So I kind of want to circle, like, uh, first off, like how amazing to get to study with Mm -hmm. Brian Wise, like he, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I consider him maybe like oh, the goat. He's really, he's really, um, just as lovely and humble and strong and kind and gentle as, as he seems in his books. And if you've watched him on YouTube or seen yeah. him, he's exactly, he's, he's lovely. Yeah. Amazing. I think it's reflected definitely in his writings as well. Like just, mm-hmm it's so apparent the passion that he has for, for helping people and supporting and just assisting people in creating their own awareness. And, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to ask more about hypnosis itself. So if I hadn't have read many lives, many masters and mm-hmm. read about what it was like to, to be under hypnosis, I would have probably had a little mm-hmm. bit more um, you know, fear, anxiety, coming apprehension. Into yeah. mm-hmm. So what is hypnosis and what is it not? Mm. Well, easy to start with what it's not. It's not like on TV or the movies yeah. or even in a comedy club hypnosis. They say the teachers say all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Okay. I can't make you relax, mm-hmm. right? Nobody can make you relax. And hypnosis is a state of focused awareness. It's a state of deep relaxation where you're not asleep. Um, Nobody can make you do that. You can choose that. It's all volitional. The therapist or the hypnotist as lay hypnotists are that are not um, also therapists or psychologists or doctors uh, can facilitate it, but you have to decide I'm in a safe place. I want to do this for any number of reasons. And I'm going to allow this person to help me get into this state. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those are the biggest pieces about it. When you see in the comedy club, you know, can I have a volunteer? There's a hypnotist on the stage and somebody raises their hand. As soon as they raise their hand, they're self-selecting for, I want to go up there and be goofy on stage. I'm willing to do that. And so they go and they are volitionally participating and doing goofy things. I promise you, if he told them to do something that they really didn't want to do, they would have the ability to not do it. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's really, and that's true in regression here too. And I tell people, you can move your body, you can scratch your nose, you can talk, you could open your eyes and sit up at any time. You can people get up and go to the bathroom in the middle and maintain their trance. And that alone should be evidence. You know, it's an intentional state. Mm -hmm. I can help you get there because I do a 25 minute progressive relaxation induction. And frankly, that's the net that can catch everybody. Everybody will get there. But, um, that's a good one question. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not losing control of our ourselves or disconnecting from our body. No, No, you have full integrity of your person and your body the whole time. And there is some consciousness that will chatter at you, 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. your little internal observer and internal critic will be going the whole time. It's like, you're not that out of it. Yeah. I, I actually had a coworker that I was discussing doing this with, and, uh, uh-huh. this was before I met with you a couple weeks ago and she was like, wait, wait, is it still going to be you? when you're done, is that still going to be you or is it going to be somebody else? And she was like, kind of freaked out. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I'm still connected to my body. I'm not, I'm not disconnecting and going away. <laughs> so yeah, no, you don't. This is not an out of body experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, but people do have a lot of misconceptions and there are some people, um, in fact, my old therapist who I, as I said, was a religious person. She told me that a lot of people in, in her, um, spiritual practice believe that when you go into a state of meditation even much less hypnosis that you know the devil can basically get in you or something and I don't believe that um but there are a lot of people who have beliefs um that are that are terrifying you know, mm-hmm. if you really believe that, that would be terrifying, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so I'm very empathetic about it, um, but it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be for everybody, but yeah, what, what we expect to see is what we get. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So you've you've obviously regressed a lot of people over the you know past yeah almost decade, and. Yeah. Uh, what what's common for experiences as far as being able to access uh, one or two lives or are there in between life experiences? Yeah, all of the above. Um, It's really about the window of time and how much content people remember from any one particular lifetime. Mm -hmm. I do a two hour window. They're not all the exact same length, obviously, because, you know, yeah. everybody's different and I have no idea what people are going to see or do or say or so there's a window of two hours you know we spend five or ten minutes connecting when you first arrive and there's five minutes or sometimes a few more minutes at the end but the actual regression is a 25 minute induction and then there's you know an hour to an hour and 15 of the in the regression and during that say hour and 10 minutes that you're actively in the regression some people get through just one because there's a lot of content that comes up some people get through five or six and only remember one or two things from each lifetime Mm -hmm. I'm not dictating that and they're not dictating it either that's just what's coming. We kind of follow the ball, you know? Um, so everybody's different. I would say on average, most people get through two, Mm -hmm. um, with more or less detail and definitely in between, um, once they go through the memory of a lifetime and they go through the memory of a death. And I should talk about that at some point. I don't know when you want me to, but remembering what it's like to die is an important piece. Um, but once your soul leaves that body and you're, you're remembering, it sounds weird, but once your soul's not in that memory anymore and you're in this state, you're sort of in a disembodied yeah. access state. And you can talk to your guides sometimes about half the time people can talk to their guides about a quarter of the time people ask their guides and the guides 
respond and say, no, we're not going to talk to you <laughs> right now. Um, and then, you know, about a quarter of the time, they don't get any kind of response. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, people have all of these types of experiences, mm-hmm. but most people get through um, about two. And we go from significant event to significant event. So these jumps, sometimes they're two months and sometimes they're 40 years. And I'm not saying when to go to some, some regression therapists do say, you know, go 20 years in the future or go to the end of the life. I don't practice it that way. Um, but there's a lot of different ways to practice. So. So I definitely want you to share with us about what that's life walk, like walking through one of the deaths, but I did have a question come up in my mind and have you ever, uh, encountered anyone, uh, experiencing a non-earthly life? Yes. Mm. Um, I'm going to raise my hand on this one. (laughs) Okay. A few, right. More than a handful, but not like dozens. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people who remember that stuff, I mean, this is all I can tell you is these are really normal people. <laughs> this is not like someone comes in all kind of wild and determined to remember something crazy. It's not like that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, people remember things that I tell people all the time. Don't try to make sense of it. You're going to be in it. You're going to be having this experience act being in this state and your brain is going to be out here going wait a minute that's Mm -hmm. not possible what is that that doesn't make sense and I'll constantly encourage and remind people don't try to make sense of it just let's keep being open to what's coming up and the experience you can process it and analyze it and think about it and decide what you think about it for the rest of your life but when you're in the experience you just go with it okay People have remembered a lot of stuff that's um, pretty out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I say out there, I mean non standard. <laughs> yeah. Non standard concepts. And, you know, I'm, I've at this point, after everything I've seen and heard, and by the way, everything I've seen and heard by doing regressions with people facilitating regressions. If I had any skeptical doubt or anything when I went into this as a therapist 10 years ago, I have none now. Mm, You know, I still have a tiny piece of me that thinks it's weird and is kind of embarrassed to talk about it with my mom, but um, I have zero skepticism or or intellectual doubt. I've just heard too much stuff and it's so consistent. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's so consistent across people from all different places in the world, different native languages, different native religions, different levels of education, you name it, the consistency is striking. Mm. And so I feel really privileged to have to have that experience and see that. Yeah. So as I raised my hand just a second ago, I'm one of those Mm -hmm. individuals that had a, uh, experience of seeing a, a non-human, uh, representation of me and, uh, uh-huh. following that session, the, during my experience, I was, um, I was seeing these, what would be hands manipulating some kind of crystal that looked like a, uh, I don't know, like some kind of a Lotus flower or something. 
And after that, I noticed that everywhere I went, I was seeing that flower of some sort, like everywhere. I think it was like a dandelion. I'm sorry, not a lotus. It would look more like a dandelion. And, um, and everywhere I went, I think I went shopping with my husband shortly after that. And I saw this ginormous framed picture of a dandelion. And I was like, what is happening right now? And I was in the beginning just to kind of help validate what she's saying. Like I was in the beginning of my exploration of the, the mm-hmm. topics of everything. Right. And, and mm-hmm. I, I was a little blown away, especially listening back to that. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I want to yeah. circle back to walking through a death. Now mm-hmm. I know that when I yeah. said I was going to do this, it really triggered a lot of fear in other people. Oh my God, you know, mm-hmm. that's so scary. And, you know, granted, I don't have a lot of fear around death maybe the dying Mm -hmm. process of the physical body. I'm not Mm -hmm. looking forward to, but, you know, tell us more about walking through people's deaths. I think regardless of the content of your regression, what, which lifetimes you remember and which elements of those lives you remember and why, and what are the emotions with that? Um, that's different from person to person, even though there's a lot of themes because there's, there's a fairly limited range of human struggling. You know, we all do it, but it's the kind, same kinds of struggling. Um, but the deaths, you know, when you remember what it's like to die, when you remember the difference between, okay, my soul is in this body that for any number of reasons is dying. And now my soul has left the body the sensation is so consistent across all people of the relief and the just emptiness, lightness, um, freedom that comes from that. And it doesn't matter if the death is a natural death, illness, accident, violence, it doesn't matter the experience people have when a soul leaves the body is so profoundly consistent and so relieving. It can really take away your fear of death, not just your own death. I think we all have a built-in evolutionary like instinct to survive, but fear of um, death of our loved ones, death of our pets, death, just death in general, a different understanding of death. And I will say, that um, that can be a life-changing experience, just that having a change in your fear of death, like mm-hmm. really change your whole experience of living. Um, and I, and I, you know, it's easy to say, oh, I think I've relieved my fear of death, but you don't really know until the rubber meets the road, right? That's and fair. I can say that, yeah. My husband passed away two years ago after a long illness and, um, we were very close. Yeah. Thanks. Um, and I was really leading up to it. We knew he was, he was terminal at diagnosis and ended up living a lot more years, which was wonderful, but we knew that he would die eventually. And I remember thinking just in the back of my mind, like, I wonder if my practice and my knowing will hold up under the grief or the, under the loss of him. Um, and it did. 
I was really relieved, not really shocked or anything, but I was a little bit relieved to find that those changes that I have experienced as a result of my learning, my knowing, my sharing, Mm -hmm. um, still held up even when it, you know, was my turn to suffer again. Um, so I really think that that can on its own is, can be a life-changing experience to remember what that's like. Mm. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. I remember, um, seeing my grandmother between lives and I remember the expression of a love that I had never felt in this experience. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was curious while you were explaining that, like, have you like during your sessions and, uh, do you ever come across, uh, the, the guides wanting to talk to you or having conversations with you directly? Yeah. With me as the therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's happened about three times in the last, you know, eight, nine years. Um, and when it happened the first time I was, really unprepared for that and I even felt like I was taking up space of this person's regression experience (laughs) like hey wait a minute let's keep it about her (laughs) um so but it's a very humbling experience yeah you know to receive any kind of um input from through someone else. Yeah. What an honor. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. honor. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, it's not well, a common occurrence. I was... It doesn't happen every year. <laughs> um, I was wondering something just in the most, this question mostly comes from my own experience. And I, I feel, I feel like Carrie, you had a little bit of, of some of these as well, but after you experience, uh, this form of hypnosis or, um, going through the PLR that after effects, like immediately after, um, is it typical for anyone to experience potentially like, um, some nausea or headaches or light, like light sensitivity, uh, for a period of time that seems to be a little bit longer than when you close your eyes for a minute and wake up or, or like open your eyes again, you know? Um, did you have that experience? I had a very wild one. Um, I, I don't know what, uh, maybe like I just a needed physical to... experience afterwards. Yeah. Most people don't have that. I, I haven't heard that reported. Um, definitely, okay. you know, people need a little time to kind of reorient. And I tell people don't schedule anything for a couple of hours after this or, yeah. you know, but no, I haven't really heard. I'm sure some people clearly have had these experiences. Um, I haven't, but it's, I don't think it's typical. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you a very wild story. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, after I got back in my car and that day was just so fascinating. I mean, the fact that I listened to rain and thunderstorms on the like a L E X a, so she doesn't activate. Um, at night to sleep. And then the day that I went in for my session with you, it was storming 
pretty heavily. So that really helped settle me in, which is interesting because I thought Uh that I wasn't going to be able to do it because I've actually been to one of those comedy shows where, you know, I was with my spouse at the time and he got all hypnotized in the audience. And I'm like, looking at him like what's happening and nothing happened to me. So I didn't think that I was going to be able to get through it. Um, definitely not what happened. So (laughs) afterwards though, I got to the car and I experienced what felt like a migraine. Um, and light was very, very different. Uh, the colors were different. The lightness was different. Um, I didn't have any water with me in the car. And so as soon as I got home and took one sip of water, all of it went away. It was almost like it just grounded me immediately. Um, and then my favorite part is I had family over cause it was my birthday weekend and I had family over and they were like, what's going on with your hair? And I was like, what do you mean my hair? And I thought they were teasing me, but it turned out I had a gray, a white streak of hair that wasn't there when I was doing my hair on my way to your appointment <laughs> and it, it lasted until it grew out. So that is very interesting and yeah I mean that's a very outlier kind of experience absolutely again nothing nothing to me sounds impossible anymore I've heard some really wild stuff and that's one of them yeah it's like oh well there you go another thing that happens that we can't explain I mean we live in this great mystery all the time and we get used to the boundaries of mystery and then sometimes things happen that you're like, wow, that's outside the boundaries of even what I thought about mystery, but you know, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share an image with you that I took. Um, yeah. I'd uh, love to see it. That's I'll send so that to wild. You. It is. It was really wild. I was like, what? <laughs> um, so yeah, so I guess there's, uh, there's not really any of those, uh, that's not a normal or common uh, symptom after I haven't heard that and people usually I have water here and people usually have something and if I'll ask them do you want some water and there most people bring some water with them these days um but yeah I'm gonna be even more at the end I'll be like do you want some water now (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna learn from that story So one of the things that I think is really interesting after reading the books uh, by Brian Weiss was that not very rarely do these experiences, um, are they, are we able to prove that they really happened? Mm -hmm. So how do we kind of, how can we reconcile that, that I don't know the word. I have some some response on this. Okay. Well, first of all, in my practice, I am seeking to help people think frankly with like anxiety and um, growth through having an experience that can profoundly alter how they see the world, how they see themselves and how they move forward. Um, the desire to find concrete information that can be validated um, is rare in my clients, but I have had one person who was able to go find the things that he saw. 
and not because he was the only one who remembered validatable information, but because he was really into doing that research. There's a whole department at the University of Virginia that does this type of work and they've published lots of books with case studies of, I mean, what I can only call proven correlations between children who remember past lives and they're able to go find the people, the place, the whatever. Um, fascinating. And Ian Stevenson, who I think has passed away a while back, but um, he authored a lot of those early books at the University of Virginia. And on my, on my website, um, on the resources page, there's links to these books, but there's a lot of information, a lot, people have done a lot of research on correlating memories to actual events and places. I have lots of people who remember being in various wars. Mm -hmm. um, and there are lots of children who remember things like that. I have a number of people who come to oh. see me because their kids are talking about like my airplane is, you mm -hmm. know, crashing and like a three-year-old, wow. you know, my airplane is crashing into the ocean, mommy, you know, and, or you're not my real mommy. I want my real mommy. <laughs> I mean, there's things of it, and that's, that's just a little thing. I mean, there's even here, even just in Austin, Texas in 2022, I have had just this year, a couple of mothers who have these long stories about what their kids are saying and doing. And then it leads the parent to say, okay, what is this? I want to explore this more. Um, most children forget mm -hmm. by that age six, which is coincidentally around when the brain goes into sort of yep. alpha as a predominant brainwave frequency, which is why children generally start school. Then it's the introduction of concrete logic, mm -hmm. you know, black and white thinking. So um, there's a lot of evidence about children remembering mm -hmm. things that they couldn't possibly know. Um, wow. And those books are worth reading. I've read that. I've read some of them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. fascinating we'll provide yeah, links remember. below to this resources yeah. page on your site because this, this <laughs> okay, is a good. lot of really good uh yeah. resources here yeah. I, I remember one of those stories a, a young child who was named James ended up he was they they confirmed his story of dying in a war he was also a James previously and mm -hmm. they were able to find the the person that he was in combat with and verified all the information mm, just that wild. just makes me have goosebumps on my I head. I know, I was um, like, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah, that stuff, those stories, you know, I one of the things that I really want to do, you know, we all have our list of things we really want to do. I really want to write a book about evidence, that what, what evidence really is, because we have so much evidence that is on its own, not meaningful enough to be life-changing but if you made a list of all the things that have happened to you in your life that you cannot explain or the things that you personally witnessed happen to someone else that you know cannot be explained um things like in these books these very you know highly researched you know academic evidence of things 
you would have a really profound list of evidence that the world is not really what we think it is and mm-hmm. not that, you know, it is what we think it is and it's so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that kind of evidence, you know, we are looking for evidence. We're all looking for evidence, but the evidence is I'm a soul. I'm here on purpose. Yeah. Everyone else is a soul. Everyone else is here on purpose. I mean, ultimately all the evidence is about like that awareness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, That's fantastic. Just thinking about treating everybody equally and with love and, you know, just, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, I kind of think that earth is like a K through 12, right? Um, <laughs> Bullying you know, a hard school. <laughs> this is not like graduate school. No. <laughs> and there's a big range between K and 12, right? But it's kind of reassuring to know, like, if you looked at third graders and we're like, oh my God, those third graders are so immature and they're mean to each other and they're crying and be like, well, they're not always going to be third grade. I mean, these people are going to, and I don't mean that in a condescending, like no, I'm so, funny. I don't know what my role is, right? I just know that um, we're all constantly growing and learning and we have to do stupid shit sometimes <laughs> as part of our, like being where we're at. And absolutely, we have lots of growth that happens within each one lifetime sometimes. And then a lot of time over time. So I'm actually, even with all the stuff going on in the world and I, you know, I'm very progressive in most every way, but I also am not that worried. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I just said that, that yesterday. <laughs> you did. Yeah. I have a lot of faith that this is, this is just what we do. And yeah, it's, sucks and I wish it could all be better but I also don't think that the point is to all make it all better Mm-mm. the point is to learn and grow and you know when I'm in the hammock with the lemonade mm-hmm. that's not when I'm doing my learning <laughs> um, not that people should make it harder but it's like life is hard even when mm-hmm. when yeah. it's easy it's hard yeah right? agreed wow thank you for and while there's that. lots of lessons don't forget to have a little fun in there too yeah. I mean, we need the lemon, we need the lemonade and the hammock mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. games and mm-hmm. that's the re, re refreshing refilling. I mean, we just have to take care of ourselves, but, and, and then life is so much easier in some ways here in like the U S and the West, but it also means that there's more opportunity for internal struggle and internal learning. Um, and we see a lot of that now, right? That's what we see. And so I think, you know, I'm very hopeful that we're here to learn and grow and that this is part of it. And absolutely, absolutely. <sighs> Couldn't agree with you more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, will you share with us uh, how people can find you and find out more information about working with you? And and correct me if I'm wrong, You you also do uh, past life regressions via video chat as well or no, I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I don't prefer it, but I've done it. Certainly. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I like to do when I do it on video is I want to see the person. Mm-hmm. So you have to set it up, uh, where basically I can watch you while you're yeah. laying mm-hmm. there 
with your eyes closed. I mean, maybe that's all in my head, but that's what I like to do for my practice. Um, so yes, I can do it remotely, but I do like to see the person. Um, okay. They can reach me through my website. Um, you can just actually go online and book a consult mm -hmm. if you want. And that's the first step. You can't book the regression yourself online because I like to meet people and talk to people first. Good. But then at the end of the consult, um, I'll ask you if you're ready to schedule. And if you are, then we'll do it that, at that time. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm available. I love, I love this work. It's an honor to do this work. It's an mm -hmm. honor to hear people's experiences. You know, one thing I haven't said is that it's very emotional. Yeah. Um, most people cry. Most people feel viscerally feel really strong emotions in the course of their regression experience. And actually they need to, I mean, that's part of the therapeutic strength yeah. of it is in experiencing those emotions and realizing that we have experienced and survived and like that we learn from all this struggle. And um, anyway, it is really emotional. And so it's also an honor for me to hold that space. Yeah. For people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, a... I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you have, you have two websites, correct? I do. I keep them separate because mm -hmm. my therapy website, um, people can, you know, file for out of network reimbursement with their mm -hmm. insurance mm -hmm. and regression is not an approved modality. <laughs> so I keep that separate so that it won't mess up the people who want to get reimbursed. Um, so they, yeah, my, I have a therapy website and a regression website, but my booking system is just one system. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. okay. book a consult, it's all going to be in the same system. Okay. And we'll, we'll link, um, both of the, both of the websites below, uh, but you can find, okay. uh, Barbara or the information about working with Barbara for past life regressions at regressionaustin.com. Yeah. And Barbara, we love to ask, uh, our final question. Um, okay. and what does self-love mean to you? Oh, that's such a good question. I struggled with it for so long and then I had sort of a breakthrough mm, almost 20 years ago. And it was about accepting all of me mm -hmm. um, and the metaphor that I use for self-love is actually like a planet. <laughs> I think we're all like planets and, you know, I used to be so, um, ashamed and afraid of the parts of me we, we call shadow, or we, we have ways of talking about our, you know, violence or fear or lust or all the things that humans have. Um, but you know, a planet has volcanoes and dark caves filled with animals that would eat you but it also has waterfalls and um you know fields of wildflowers and the whole planet that's the whole planet right you would never say that that planet was not worthy of being mm -hmm. a planet 
And I think we're like that. We're all our, I'm like that. I'm whole now. And so that for me was just this mind crashing kind of realization that I can be whole and, um, and still have these things that are, you know, not for public consumption or even my own sometimes about me, but, um, that the, the way I grew up, you know, you were supposed to be like good and pure as the driven snow and honest and helpful and all the things that we all, you know, like to be and try to be. But there's also the side that you did lie or you did masturbate or you did steal the pencil or you did yell at your friend or all the things that made me think I was a really bad person, right? And so for me, that self-love was about accepting myself as the whole um and you know that's my answer I love that analogy I do just too. that, that yeah. visual that's beautiful thank you so much Barbara yeah. thank you guys Amazing. thanks for inviting me thank yes. you so much um uh, so we'll have everything linked below in the show notes. And okay. if, you know, if you are interested, you guys, you should really check out uh, her website, her information. If you want to find out more from the books, you know, the, the Brian Weiss books, you can look at her resources page as well as she has a list of resources uh, to help you start feeling into things. So thank you everybody so much for being here today. Thank you, Barbara. We just so we were so elated that you said yes. We, Oh my gosh. Like, Oh, I'll do this anytime. (laughs) Definitely. We we get kind of like, so thank you. Okay. Well, thank you guys. Have a great rest of your day. Yes. And everybody don't forget to love first, love last and love always. Bye y'all. Bye. Hey, listener, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us in this moment. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and we look forward to our next connection. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow to stay notified of new content from Love Always Self. If you have any questions or topics you'd like for us to discuss, please hit us up on any of our social media platforms linked in the show notes below. I'm Karista. And I'm Shira. And until next time, remember to love first, love last, and love always. Love Always Self Podcast is meant for entertainment purposes only. We do not make any warranties about the completeness, reliability, and accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. Any action you choose to take upon the information in this podcast is strictly done so at your own risk, and we will not be held liable for any losses and damages in connection with the use of our podcast. Any and all medical concerns should be addressed with a licensed healthcare provider, as well as any questions that may be derived from the information discussed in this podcast.